0: She's a firefly. Got lost, but she's following her own light. On the outside, looking through the window. The city lights shine bright, but she still glows. We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the preschool SLP podcast. The preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves? and of our clients. We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better.
1: We're going to be back in school soon. So let's talk about that foundational skill of attention, 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 attention. It is that foundational skill from which everything else relies. So today I'm going to give you six tips to improve attention. These are really good ones. The first tip that I've found to have the greatest impact on attention is task complexity. So what that means is if I'm working on speech, language, augmentative communication, what I do is I increase the complexity and the length of the target. If you think about a child that's only engaging in cause and effect toys, where you push the button and bring, and out of come all of this sensory input, a song goes on. Is that going to improve attention or is it going to improve attention if they have blocks and they're building a castle with the blocks? <laughs> think about that. We have this multiple stack longer, more complex activity that they're engaging in. And just by the act of participating in it, they might need scaffolding in the beginning, but you can lay back on the scaffolding after you get them established. Their attention is going to improve. Yes, in the beginning, there's gonna be some extra front-loading in terms of the support it requires out of you for them to be guided through these more complex longer treatment targets, however, it's going to pay off because these children are going to have improved attention as a result, and you're going to be able to lay back on the levels of support that they need. My number one strategy is increasing the tax complexity. So you can see this if you're on YouTube, this is the example of the speech target paragraph that I have. Often when we're working in speech sound disorders, you look at the research and like you need 150 reps a session. Yes, if you have a simple target. So for instance, if you go to work out and you're working with one to three pound dumbbells, you're probably gonna need 150 reps in order to make a difference in your health. However, if you have a 50, 20, 30, 50 pound Dumbbell, then you're only going to need 10 reps. So the point is that the complexity, the quality matters as much as the quantity. And our research, when we compared having children say speech targets to improve articulation, phonological processes, if they were speech targets at the sentence level, or if I had my speech targets, which is what I recommend at a paragraph level, The children who made the greatest gains in the speech had the paragraph. Now, when they did a paragraph, they had less frequency. So when they were doing the sentence, they were doing more reps because it was a sentence long. Now, with the paragraph, they only said the paragraph six times in the 30-minute session. However, because the paragraph is complex... Because the paragraph is longer, we were improving their attention, we were improving their verbal working memory, in which they weren't memorizing a sentence, they were memorizing four sentences, they were sequencing four sentences into a paragraph, they were expressing four sentences, thereby we were improving their verbal working memory. Many of the children we work with that have speech sound disorders also have a language impairment. So about half of them have a concurrent language impairment as well. So what we're doing when we give them the paragraph is we're not only improving their speech, is we're improving their language. So what was interesting to me is that I thought in my prediction, okay, the children that have the paragraph are going to have better MLUs on average than the children with the sentence. Yes, that did pan out. But to my surprise, the children that had the paragraph had better speech scores on the single word speech test they had more improvement on single word speech tests and i believe that is because of improvement in verbal working memory so they're then they're better at saying multisyllabic words they're better at saying clusters because their improved attention means they're able to remember three or four syllables and sequence them or remember clusters that contain two consonants and sequence those and not deleting one of the consonants. So that was a surprise to me, but then as an example of a more complex treatment target that's longer, you're gonna get less quantity in terms of how many times you do it, but the quality is going to pay off in greater gains in both speech and language. Why? I think because we improved verbal working memory. And we also improved attention by the simple fact that the child had to attend for a four-sentence-long treatment target. Let's look at the second strategy that I use that is very much evidence-based to increase children's attention. We want to increase the duration of the task. What I mean by that is increase the number of steps in the task, I have movement activities that children engage in, and that's because I work with preschoolers and the research indicates that after five minutes, preschoolers need to move. And when they do move, that improves their attention so that they're able to better attend during the learning situation. What I might do is I might have the task be that the child is completing a six-step process Now, in completing that six-step process, then the child is improving their attention because they're showing endurance and stamina in a longer, more complex task, and they're independently completing it. For instance, many of my children with autism, we start off very simple three-step process. Okay, you pick a sticker out of the box, and then we get to read what the sticker is, then you can take the object and then you can walk over and stick the stick around and throw the object in the box and come back and check it. And then later on with success, I'm always going to keep those children at that 80% success rate. What I can do is, okay, we're gonna pick up the sticker. Now we're going to find the object that matches the word on the sticker. Okay, now we're going to go cross the bridge over to the river rocks, and then we're going to sort the object out. We have a couple of boxes here. This box is where we put the animals that are water animals. There's water in there. And this box is a rainforest. We need to put them in their correct habitat. So then they're going to be sorting it. And then after they sort it, okay, we we need to go drive our Jeep back on a scooter. And then they go and check the checklist that they saved the animal. I'm increasing the number of steps. And by doing so, I'm increasing the child's attention, which is very important. When you increase the child's attention, the child is going to develop an improved language and improved social skills and improved motor skills in every aspect of their life and improved behavior. You are going to see a cascading impact in which the child is like a sponge and everything is blooming because the child has the ability to attend to the learning experience. So that is the second trip I do is I increase the number of steps within a task. Number three, especially if you're working with children with attention deficit disorder or autism, incorporating what they love in some way into your activities, that's going to significantly improve their attention. So on my parent input form, I always ask, what are your child's favorite songs? What are your child's favorite movies? What are your child's favorite toys? What are your child's favorite books? What are your child's favorite songs? Use that information and put it into your therapy and you're going to have improved attention. Now, that's super important because if the child is loving the learning experience, we know the dopamine levels are going to go up and that the child's going to learn more quickly and they're going to remember what they learned. Let's look at number four incorporate movement. A moving child is a learning child. These children need to move, these preschoolers need to get away from the desk and chairs. Now, for the most part, I do have the children seated when they're doing their complex treatment target. I can consider that almost to be like a hundred pound dumbbell. I don't want someone going around with a hundred pound dumbbell at a gym, whacking around all over the place and having bad form. I need all of their attention on their treatment target because I do use complex treatment targets. And if you know me, the reason I use complex treatment targets is because when you use a complex treatment target, you have a cascading impact in which the earlier developing targets will naturally spontaneously develop. It doesn't work in the other direction. There isn't a geyser impact where you work on a simple treatment target and that improves the more complex ones. So I always go for complex treatment targets to achieve maximal gains when children are young and neuroplasticity is at a high level. I am here to be an agent of change. And that is one way you can do that is by providing every tool in your toolbox and using a complex treatment target so this child can be successful at an 80% accuracy rate. I do have the children seated When they're doing their complex treatment target, so they can focus all of their attention, all of their cognitive capacity, everything, their motor skills. I want it all on that treatment target, everything 100% there. Then they're gonna move. It's almost like high intensity interval training in which you go really hard doing burpees or jumping jacks and then you take a break. The break is really important because you're gonna give 100% again. The more complex the target, the greater your gains, period. Now, this research is panning out, not only in speech sound disorders, in speech and language and in literacy. They're getting the greatest gains when they're working with more complex treatment targets. Let's look at the next one, number five out of the six tips. In having a self-monitoring component, in my therapy sessions, I have checklist. So when the child is finished with a the task, they check that they've completed the task. That helps get the children through to the very end. Many of the children we work with have executive function difficulties. This might manifest in an ability to a realize there's even a problem. B, they see there's a problem. they don't know how to make the plan for the problem. C, they don't know how to take action for it, or D, they don't know how to complete it. Executive function difficulties can manifest in every one of these steps along the way. Having that checklist gets them through those steps. So what a lot of people do is they'll have a checklist for each of those steps. Step one, what is the problem? Write that down. Okay, step two, what is the plan? Step three, what actions are you going to take? Step four, how are you going to make sure that you complete these actions? How are you going to check this to completion and monitor this? Those are the four steps, and that is exactly what we go through in our movement activities. Let's look at the last one. Number six, increase the structure within the activity. If children don't know what the expectations are, children don't know what they're supposed to be doing, or children don't know what's next, they're going to be taking their attention and using it for that. They're going to be looking around like, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to go? And a lot of them, that's quite anxiety producing as well, not being clear on what the expectations are, what the routine is. So what we wanna do is we wanna have structure within the activity that is consistent. And when you have this consistent familiar routine in which this is the beginning of a routine, this is the middle routine, this is our end of the routine, what happens is that frees the child's attentional capacity to focus on the treatment target, to focus on the interaction with you or with peers, to focus on the activity at hand. They're not spending all their time worried about what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be, what's next. That is already taken care of. And that really fosters feelings of the child feeling safe and secure, having that consistent routine, that the child knows what the expectations are, they know what's next, they know that when and how things are going to happen, and that frees them up to have higher level thinking because they're feeling safe, they're feeling secure, then they're able to use their mind and have higher level thinking thoughts, having those basic needs met. So increasing the structure within the activity. What I like to do in my activities is Every day we have that same framework. The child comes in, they see the sign on the door and the sign says, we're having a letter A party. The theme is the letter A sound. Then we have two movement activities, station A or station B. Which one do you want to pick? They pick which movement activity they want to do. Then they sit down. Then we do our treatment target. Then we're going to move. Now, every week, what changes is the theme changes every week. The activity changes every week. And that's really important because novelty is the spice of neuronal life. However, that routine remains the same. At the very end of every session, they know that I'm going to sing this song. We know that they're going to write their name on their paper. And the song is always the same. If you want to hear it, I'll share it with you. It goes like this. There was a girl who worked so hard, Maria was her name. It's like bingo, M-A-R-I-A, and I spell their name out while they are. That's the way we're always going to end the session. Then we go and they take their paper with them and they put it in their backpack. It's always that same routine. And what happens with the children knowing that routine is they feel safe. They feel secure and you see more smiles, you see more enjoyment, you see more engagement. Their shoulders drop down two inches because they know what the expectations are. They feel safe and secure. So having that familiar structure within the activity is really great. This is something to think about right now before the school year of what is going to be the structure of my therapy sessions that I follow to a T. This is the therapy routine we do every single day. We are going to change the activity. We're going to change the theme. You're going to have this really wonderful, educationally rich learning activity every week that's going to change, but I'm not going to change the routine on you. You're going to know what what we're doing first, next, then lastly, and these things are going to remain constant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you next week and take this information Roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time. You are always going to be first.